This is the Unintelligent Chat Show. A place for chuckles and a podcast for the curious. Here, Rob and Lloyd attempt to teach you something new every week and invariably fall short. Over to you, gentlemen. Thank you, miscellaneous wizard that isn't Gandalf. Definitely Welcome not. to the Unintelligent Chat Show. Hello, Rob. Hey, Lloyd. What is going on? We are back for season three, bigger and better than ever. Uh, leaner, cooler, other good adjectives. I am also still the same size, but I'm excited yeah, uh, to be here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I may be fat. I meant the podcast is leaner. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Either way, it's going to be better. So you'll have noticed we have a new wonderful introduction. So we're, we're moving up in, in the podcast world and uh, oh, you'll be seeing a lot more of that. Big things. Big things happening. Big things. So yes, we're kicking off season three. We had a little bit of a break. Uh, I had a wonderful relaxing time. Did you, Lloyd? I did. Yeah. I, um, it reinvigorated my, my passion for podcasting. <laughs> I recently realized passion for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. What filleth thy cup this episode number one? Uh, breakfast beer, Rob. Guinness. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> Yeah, breaking the fast. Yeah, but if it wasn't breakfast, you'd have said lunch beer or afternoon tea beer or after Guinness beer. That's the beautiful thing about Guinness. Wow, amazing. That it's is... the every beer. God, it's a great name, the every beer. What are you drinking? Uh, this Eve, I've gone classy. It is a Kunawara Estate 2013. Uh, I forgot what kind of wine it was. Red. Red wine. It's either a Shiraz or a Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. Mm. I think... Tannins. Other than the Christmas special where we partook of hard liquor, mm. you might be the first non-beer. Drinker. I distinctly remember an episode in season one where I um, I had a red wine as well. Well, I think you might be the second that sounds non-beer right. drinker. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Feeling fancy today. I'm always feeling fancy. Now, we have some exciting things to spread out across the next few episodes in order to maximize content. We've received some mail, Lloyd. <laughs> we did, Rob. <laughs> And it's exciting stuff. So I assume in a wildly prepared way, you have today's mail for reading open and ready to go. It, it, well, I, I opened it so I could follow along while you read it because it is your friend. Not that, Jared, we aren't friends, but <laughs> I met you through, Rob. <laughs> all right, all right. I don't what? even like Jared, so you should read it. <laughs> wow, Jared, bet, you, bet you're glad you wrote us an email. All right, well, let me fumble around and search for it then. (laughs) All right, this is mail from Jared. Uh, It is entitled, it's not a book. Uh, The subject line is, (laughs) the subject line is simply complaint. And I am already- Strong start. Yeah, filled with glee and joy that someone actually listened to us. Firstly, listen to the podcast and also listen to what we say in the podcast. So that's incredible. Yeah, they absorbed it. Great. (laughs) It it reads as such, and I'm going to do my best Jared accent. I'm going to try and sound like like a well-off white male. Here we go. (laughs) Just really ripping Jared apart this episode. Fantastically good-looking man. Dear Robin Lloyd, comma, I have a complaint. I just listened to S2E2, which I think is Cool Person Speak for Season 2, Episode 2, which was oh, entitled... Yeah, I didn't get that. Yeah, not cool enough. Which was entitled something or whatever. Yakuza Bob and whatever else that one was about. Good episode. Bob the Builder Builds Crime. Great episode. I just listened to Season 2, Episode 2, and you introduced a new segment called Ask Shan. Clearly a terrible name for a great segment. 
as, in inverted commas, yarns with Shan is so obvious. I feel like you have let myself and your listeners down. I can only hope that you redeem yourselves in later episodes. Speaking of yarns with Shan, I have a question for her. Oh, I'm not going to read that. We'll keep that. That's a good one. We've got a question from Jared for Shan, and we'll pick that up in a later episode. But, Jared, solid input to the show. And in your honor, we will be renaming the segment Ask Shan to Yarns with Shan. Thanks, Jared. So that's, that's this week's mail. Keep them coming in. Yeah, send us more things. That was wonderful. Now, Lloyd, we're almost there. <laughs> to the end of the episode. God, I wish this was over. <laughs> <laughs> I have I lost my passion for podcasting <laughs> immediately. I have for you a wonderful segue distance between our places of podcastiness. Oh, it is. Seven, it's like a quite a nice round number. 74,780,000 rat tails. And we're not talking about oh wow, really should have done person rat tails. We're talking about literal tails of black rats. Not that disgusting little mini gross mullet thing that people have yeah although the length could be similar in some cases and i've gone for the larger end of the rat scale we got a, we got a bunch of rat tails all up in there mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. quite a lot of rat tails now well that is a lot of rat tails it is it's far too many and i wonder what happened to the rats what did i do with them <laughs> oh god <laughs> you did this i, I did well i selected... normally these distances are abstract but in this case <laughs> you took the tails off yeah. all of the rats yeah if you look outside there's a long line of bloody rat tails <laughs> leading to your God. door why would i have ripped tails of 74 million rats lloyd what did you learn this oh, week oh god well <laughs> this week rob i learned about joseph mason the hermit and his rats i'm glad you didn't say hermit crab because that would have been boring joseph mason the hermit crab <laughs> world famous hermit crab <laughs> and i have some information on joseph mason and you know what, I'll start with the information and then I'll, I'll tell you as you also experience the struggle of trying to find out who the fuck yeah. Joseph Mason is. You say you have some information. It's like not a lot, is it? It's the one piece of information. On, ooh, the Joseph Mason information. The one piece of information on Joseph Mason that exists. <laughs> Correct. And it is from the Croydon Chronicle and East Surrey Advertiser. Which I assume is a kind of paper from ye olde times. Indeed. From Saturday, January 4th. 1879. I remember it well. Yes, I won't read it verbatim, although it is a very short article. So, essentially, Joseph Mason bailed on his wife. Nice. And he, he just dropped her off at a union workhouse. I'm not sure what a union workhouse is. I also... It sounds to be like an adoption agency for old people. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I also just accepted that it was a thing and didn't, didn't look it up. <laughs> yeah. So, he dropped her off and then just went to the mountains. Just... <laughs> Walked to the mountains in Wales above some lead mines in a place called Goganen. Goge didn't didn't think to look that up, but <laughs> Doge Doge place. Goganen. Yeah. And just just became a hermit up in the mountains. And the reason this article came out is because the workhouse appealed to the petty court that he had just dropped someone off and owed the money to pay her for work i again i don't know what a union workhouse is but they're pissed <laughs> that he had just dropped a human being on their doorstep i read it that because it was old times he was being like so I, th- I reckon the union workhouse is like a place of employment and i reckon he mm-hmm. dropped her off at work went to the mountains to be a hermit and they're suing or the equivalent of suing because now she has become their responsibility and they're suing because he as her husband is no longer supporting his wife 
Yeah, that's the issue is that he they're trying to get money from him to like pay for her food and stuff because yeah. he owns her because it's eighteen seventy nine. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so they this is they, they this is Wales. So the <laughs> officer they sent his name was Jones, of course. <laughs> of course, they sent Jones out to track down Mason, and he goes to the lead mines, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a creepy old dude in the mountains, like just north of here." Sounds so he goes up in the mountains, does a bunch of searching around, eventually finds a like a hovel hovel Great he word. calls it a wretched dwelling oh even better thanks jones thanks officer yeah. jones yeah <laughs> officer jones <laughs> uh he had been warned not to approach the hermit because he was angry and unpredictable but mm. he bravely opened to the door into quote a gloomy unlit interior Get where him, he officer could see jones. a heap of a heap of turf on the floor and some <laughs> rags that served as a bed like so, like that really nice fake grass turf, just like a heap of turf, <laughs> <laughs> like a really nice tennis court. This isn't like a cabin in the woods. Like this, this is essentially he's like dug a hole and he's living in it. Like it's not, it's not a nice, comfortable campsite. Mm. So he sees an army of large rats scurrying <laughs> about. And Good. my first, if I open a door and saw an army of rats scurrying about, I'd close the door and I'd get the fuck out of there. Are you afraid of? I mean. Am I afraid of rats? Yes, I'm afraid of rats. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> You've seen a rat? They're huge. Sometimes they're cute, though. Yeah, on their own. I don't know, an army of scurrying ants. I'd want to get out of the way. <laughs> scurrying ants. Officer Jones, being the brave Welsh warrant officer that he is, stamps his feet in an effort to scatter them. Instead, this just angers them. <laughs> and they charge him, and he flees, obviously, because why wouldn't you flee? Yeah. He alleges that it seems like the rats were trained and some of the miners thought that he had lured the rats with food into his hovel and had like befriended them in some way <laughs> befriended them not trained befriended them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was left alone they didn't sue him because officer jones said that he basically looked dead and was starving to death and they're like there's nothing to get <laughs> he looks basically ah oh, i can't do a welsh accent i'm gonna leave all this to you <laughs> There was, they're not getting any money out of him. No. Nah. It's not, not worth it. So they left him alone, and I guess he just died up there. Yeah. <laughs> what a great, happy story. What happened to the army of rats, Lloyd? <laughs> oh, I'm sure they thrived. <laughs> they're still there to this day. <laughs> if, 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 if anyone ventures into the Goganen Mountains, you better be watching out for them rats. Don't be stamping your feet around. Oh, don't be doing that. Like Officer Jones, he definitely also has died since because of that. Because because of time. Uh, and, that, <laughs> and that's rats. it. And when I say that's it, that's literally it. That is literally it. So, Rob, let me tell you the little... Because I'm sure you went on a similar path. Maybe. I went pretty weird. Several websites list this story and like one paragraph, they just say Joseph Mason and some rats and a guy and blah, blah, blah. I found a source oh. that took me to a book. Oh, called strange victoriana which i'm gonna get because it sounds interesting mm. and this book tells the story of joseph mason mm. i found the author of the book oh jan bondesen <laughs> jan bondesen is a swedish man who lives in cardiff really and is a professor dr jan bondesen mm. i emailed dr bondesen did you really dr bondesen responded ah, this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened on the podcast I said, good morning, Dr. Bonderson. My name is Lloyd and I host a podcast that discusses interesting things. Sorry, did you not try and shorten that to Donderson? <laughs> good morning, Donderson. <laughs> Based on his response, I don't think he would have had a sense of humor about me calling him Donderson. Oh, uh-oh. I said, on our latest episode, we'll be discussing the Welsh hermit Joseph Mason. It appears, blah, 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 the story. I know that you wrote a book. 
Do you have any sources that you used or anything else interesting about the story? Thanks so much. Looking forward to hearing back. Jan Bondesen just said, the newspaper sources are in the book. There is no other information. <laughs> is that the end of the email? That's it. Did he even say... No greeting, no sign-off. Oh, not even sincerely Dunderson? <laughs> no, not even sincerely Dunderson. He insincerely wrote this email. Wow, not, not, there are no kind regards. It's almost written with such antipathy, I wonder why he bothered responding at all. Yeah. But he did. Did you reply back to that? I did. I just said, thank you for the quick response, Dr. Bonderson. Have a pleasant weekend. Hmm. I don't think I would consider him a friend of the podcast. No. In fact, we might add him to the list of enemies of the podcast. Podcast And I might reach out to him. I might reach out to him more often in the future. (laughs) Just about every topic. (laughs) So I was reading about this week. Do you have any more sources or information on this? What an amazing idea. I sense a new segment. Dunderson. <laughs> Talks with Dunderson. That wasn't my, my final search. I did oh. not lose hope with Dr. Bunderson. Wow. I lost hope a lot quicker than you did. I went to Welsh and British newspaper archives. Ah. And I searched for an hour using every combination of hermit Welsh Hermit, Joseph Mason, Mason, Rats, Hermit Rats, Rats Mason, Joseph Hermit, Rat Mason, and found (laughs) nothing. Joseph Hermit, Rat Mason. Wow. But isn't the source a newspaper article? I'd already found that. It's just one paragraph and it's in the middle of like 10 other stories. It's a miracle. It's still remembered. Yeah. I even was on the Welsh website translating Welsh newspapers from 1879 for a glimmer of, of wow. Mason and Rats appearing and found nothing. nothing. So this story has somehow been talked about 143 years later from one paragraph in a news- in a small newspaper in Surrey. East Surrey. East Surrey? Are you serious? Yeah. But you say it's being talked about. It's being talked about by me, you, and Dunderson. Dunderson wrote a freaking book. He doesn't seem to give a shit about it. <laughs> I also have a bone to pick. With me? Not with you. Okay. With the, the world in general. You remember our episode on Grandmaster Flash, the grandfather of photography and a rapper as well? I How think they're the ever, same person. How could I ever forget it? And you were furious because in order to read an article, you had to sign up. Wow. Are you, just, are you reading this straight from my notes? <laughs> I had to sign up to historyextra.com. Historyextra.com, if you're listening to this, ridiculous. I had to sign up just to read an article that you paraphrased. It was already a paragraph long and you paraphrased it to less than that. Wow. I had to email them to cancel because their settings kept having given me an error. That so is unbelievable. I had a bone to pick with you because your fact was making me sign up to History Extra, uh, but I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I didn't do it though because I, w- I was going to. I was fuming, but I was going to do it. Uh, but then it asked for it was it was like a Netflix subscription. You have to put in your payment details, so when you forget to cancel, you just keep paying, and that's where I yep. draw the line. Oh, I was close to not doing it, but this was the only information. I was desperate, and I was I, in my heart of hearts, I knew all they had was this paragraph. But I was like, oh, what if there's more? Yeah. What if they have it? What if they have the nugget that blows this thing open? <laughs> this story about a Welsh hermit that died happened to have some rats. Yeah, they did. They didn't. I, I didn't even find the original article. I thought History Extra was the only place I was going to be able to find it. But I did a little more Google sleuthing. Gloothing, I suppose. Gloothing. Gloothing. And I did find it elsewhere. And I think it was on... What was the book you mentioned? Strange Victoria something? Strange Victoriana. Victoriana. I think the page I was on 
was maybe an excerpt from that book although i didn't see dunderson ah. anywhere and it was basically the page was called like strange 19th century court cases mm. and that, that, that any that, other good ones well because we've we've exhausted joseph mason so. yeah that's it that's the whole story y'all let's move on in my notes i was like so the page i was on was strange 19th century court cases so i picked a couple of my favorites to share with you now uh but it turns out that i actually started writing that note before i'd read any of the other victorian court cases and they all sucked <laughs> they were all shit <laughs> honestly the only, oh, so I, I read them all and then afterwards i, ch- I checked this on that web page there were 3869 words I, I counted them and apart apart from your story on the hermit and the rats which i did find interesting the only other interesting things that i learned from those almost four thousand words of uh inverted commas content is this in the 19th century people used to sniff the vapor or smoke of carbolic acid to try and prevent the flu this is real stupid because carbolic acid is very poisonous and is used to make plastic (laughs) (laughs) so they were huffing plastic honestly but like fumes Uh, like it would clear your nose out and then kill you wow and then for for a while there victorians appeared to have been obsessed with hot young women doing weird stuff while they were sleepwalking oh yeah like there were all these newspaper articles about people doing stuff while they were sleepwalking but it was always like young women and they were called this really cool name they were called somnambulists Ooh. It's a weird the people that watch or the people that do weird things the the, the sleep it was like a word for sleepwalkers somnambulist ah. so if you were sleepwalking you were a somnambulist i like that and so do that, you have a list of weird things that somnambulists did yeah, you said no, it was no. hot young women doing weird things while sleepwalking. Oh, but like not even. It's like, oh, somnambulist almost dies because she sleptwalked onto a ledge. The only one was uh, uh, the, the one that that was talked about. There was, uh, was like bullshit paragraphs about this is what some people sleepwalking did. And then the actual one was some guy very obviously murdered this woman that he was like consorting with. And his lawyer used the argument that he was a somnambulist and did it while he was sleepwalking so he shouldn't go to prison isn't that what that paralympian said he was sleepwalking um, when he stabbed his wife 72 times uh, oscar pastorius yeah notorious notorious yeah yeah, that that legless fellow (laughs) maybe that's really weird because i just watched a bit of stand-up by greg davies and he was talking about that case Oh, probably a lot funnier than I could ever do it. Yeah, definitely. He was talking about how he talked to his <laughs> mum about it and she just said the dumbest thing afterwards. That She was like, yeah, I think he did it. He doesn't really have a leg to stand on, does he? <laughs> <laughs> Quite good. Oh, God. I hope she did that on purpose. I don't think so. Well, he made it out like she did. Anyway, those two interesting things from that page, 62 words. 62 words out of 3,869. That's not a great ratio. What else did you learn after we quickly exhausted Welsh hermits and rats? Well, to be honest, I'm devastated that when I introduced this fact, you said, thank God you didn't say hermit crabs because I have some hermit crab facts. (laughs) Wow, you played that very cool at the beginning. I was heartbroken. I'm I'm thrilled to hear your hermit crab facts, Lloyd. Tell me all about it. I got two. You know, we... That's enough. <clears throat> so <It'll> be enough. <laughs> hermit crabs. Uh, <laughs> listen, right, boring, Lloyd. The hermit barrel. crabs are boring. <laughs> they they have organisms that grow on their shell, and they the organisms are poisonous. Mm. So 
the crabs eat food and the organisms can like soak up the crumbs and also when predators come the organisms like spike predators and when hermit crabs leave their shell sometimes they'll pick up the organism and take it with them and put it on the new shell <laughs> really that is quite cute yeah and did you know the largest crab in the world is a hermit crab nah i don't believe that for a second it's called a coconut crab. They can get to five kilos, three feet long, and their pincers have the same force as a lion's jaw. Wow. Do they train about... armies of sea rats to fight for them? Because <laughs> it's a hermit. Yeah, yeah it's good. You, you get it. What's a sea rat? That I made that up. <laughs> yeah, that, um, that's, that's, I didn't want to dive into the hermit crab world. I just grabbed two, and it was really just a filler. You have anything? Oh, yeah. So I went down the rabbit hole after getting bored of Victoriana. And I was like you, I was looking at looking for hermit related things. And I ended up looking in Welsh newspapers through the National Library of Wales website, which of course in Welsh is the National Library of Wales. (laughs) If only. Nah, it's something silly. It's I'm going to try, but not in Welsh accent. Just going to try and say it. Oh, God. Lifgrel Gened Oh, actually, I I don't really know how to say Wales in Welsh. Is it C Y M R U or C Y M R E? U. It's Cumru. 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 Oh, God. Anyway, these old newspapers, shockingly laid out. It's just like all the information they could find on the floor, just like thrown at what looks to be like an A1 page. It's monstrous. It's stupid. Anyway, I stumbled across this. So this is fully unrelated to hermits now. I stumbled across this story in this newspaper that was entitled Adventure in a Tree by someone called Paul Pastor. (laughs) I like it already. It's going to be great. Uh, And it tells in just like the most incredibly boring and long-winded way of two blokes going for a hike and using an old hermit's shelter, hence the relevance, uh, in a tree as a campground. And then in the middle of the night, this one bloke wakes up and sees a panther's head snarling at him through the trapdoor in the hermit's treehouse, which is just Jesus. sounding like so made up as we go. Um, in Wales? Which, uh, uh, let me finish. It's in a Welsh newspaper. <laughs> at which point he kicks it shut and sits on the trapdoor to save him and his friend from this panther. And I was like, that is, that is quite strange. Like, why is that in the newspaper? In the story, there was this line, we were perfectly confident that there were no panthers left in the Adirondacks, which I assumed were some mountains in Wales. That's the Adirondacks, isn't it? It might be the Adirondacks, which you know are in America. Mm. So, so I was like, oh, pants in, pants? <laughs> panthers in Wales. This is a great... They finally got <laughs> pants in Wales. It's about time. About time. <laughs> no, so I looked up panthers at the Ad. What did you call it? The mountains, Adirondacks, somewhere in upstate New York. And apparently there were, in fact, panthers living there in the mountains. Wow. There's a place called Panther Mountain and Panther Pond and Panther Marsh. If I was choosing, I would be Panther Mountain. That's a great name. Yeah. Panther Mountain. And there was even a cool little, like a bounty slip given to a hunter that has panther written on it so it's not just hearsay it's like they called them panthers wow then. and it's like you get twenty dollars cool. for each panther skin i guess that you bring bring back which is the equivalent of 500 us dollars now that's not bad it's pretty good uh but well, it though, ta- if someone offered me 500 dollars to hunt a panther i'd probably turn it down yeah but it turns out we are not talking about panthers like me or you think of panthers it appears to be it's a, like mountain lions yeah it's mountain lions or cougars yeah. or pumas or whatever you yeah. want to call them 
pretty cool though still really cool big badass animals yeah they used to call them panthers though like back in this is the yeah. 16th and 17th century when peoples was pioneering and such there was a german shepherd in the states recently that fought off a mountain lion the Hector. mountain lion jumped they were walking uh, on a hike and the mountain lion pounced on his owner his oh. mum, from behind and knocked it at the ground and the German Shepherd fought off the mountain lion and they both got away. I mean, he was in hospital for a couple of weeks, but he's good now. Damn. God, dogs are the best. It's awesome. So there is, this is just anecdotal. I don't have any research on this, but the, you know, the mystery of the Black Panther in, in England. Oh, that's where I was going. <laughs> oh, oh, continue, please. The, the, so I was like, because it started with there were panthers in Wales because that article in a Welsh newspaper. Um, so after I read about the actual panthers in the Adirondacks, in upstate New York, I googled panther sightings in the UK, and it's not just one Lloyd. There have been hundreds, yeah, of panther and big cat sightings in little old Wales. There's evidence of savagely eaten livestock. There are some large paw prints people have taken photos of, and there are heaps of people who are like, "Yeah, I saw a really big cat on a fence, probably a panther." <laughs> <laughs> okay guy yeah all right buddy and there's a whole like wiki page on it called british big cats or for short not really abc's <laughs> nice <laughs> alien or anomalous big cats and just or in the british time- big cats which is bbc's oh they should have done that which we won't go into <laughs> oh wait i was talking i was like oh <laughs> like the broadcasting company <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs> perfect <laughs> Between April 2004 and July 2005 in the UK, guess how many reported sightings of big cats there were? Ooh. Between 2004 and 2009, you said? No, it's, it's, it's like over a 12-month period, pretty much. 14 months. Oh, in a year. A dozen. Over 1,600. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't even all the UK. That was the areas that had the most reports. <laughs> Wow, if you assume that 1% are accurate, there's still a lot of panther sightings yeah. in the And then UK. it said, experts reject any idea of a real population because of A, the lack of evidence, and B, the requirement, like it doesn't make sense in the ecosystem. It's not enough food source for a yeah. proper big cat population. And it says, most sightings are likely explained by the fact that people are scared of large house cats. <laughs> Or in yeah. some genuine cases, there are escaped uh, exotic or illegally kept pets that some people have, which is terrible and you should never do. Yeah, that's the theory I read that made the most sense to me is like illegal pets or animals that have escaped from the circus. Yeah. Although I don't think they have animals like that in the circus anymore. But yeah, there was um, in 2019, there were reports of a lion loose in Essex which caused a police helicopter search with infrared equipment to try and locate this lion. Like multiple sightings, so it wasn't just some loony. And they checked all of the zoos and they checked all the local traveling circuses to see if they'd had any animals that had been released. And people were like told to stay indoors, watch for cats. It's all this big hoo-ha. And it turns out someone had a photo of what they'd seen and it was just a big ginger Maine Coon. <laughs> which is, if you don't know, is one of those big, grumpy-looking cats, which is just a cat, but it's quite large, but it's definitely not a lion. Yeah, but a quite large cat is like a medium-sized dog. And if I saw a medium-sized dog, I wouldn't think... Oh, it's a, a werewolf! <laughs> yeah. Lions are really fucking big. Yeah. Like, you'd know. You, you'd you'd, know. There'd be no doubt. You'd, you'd Oh, shit, that's a lion. Yeah. Uh, so, Man, yeah. People are stupid. 
<laughs> that's what we learned this week. Thanks, J- something Mason and your rap boys. Yeah. Joseph rap- Mason and his rap boys. The rap boys. Good rap, <laughs> rap group. Rap. Enough. It's, it's time, time for yarns with Sean. Sean. All right. Uh, well, as you guys know um, from the intro, <laughs> slower, terrible, and whatever the hell else is going on, we're now doing Yarns with Sean yarns with, with Sean. my mom, Sean. Welcome. Hi, mom. Hi, boys. Hi, Lloyd. Hi, Rob. How are you going? Wonderful. How are you? Good. Thank you. Very excited to be uh, asked to return to your wonderful show. <laughs> oh, thank you for joining us once mm-hmm. again. Once again. We have uh, one of... One of life's most deep and meaningful questions uh, to pose to you today, Shan. So, oh, right. I hope ahead. you're. Pre- I hope you're prepared. <laughs> Go on, hit me with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect podcast language. Hit me with it. All right, Lloyd, take it away. <laughs> All right, Mum. In your motherly wisdom, what would you tell us as the best, either preventative or cure for a bad hangover? I think we should. I think we should go both. Okay. Well, All right, yeah. What's can, your preventative? I can, that I can do both. Well, and you can't you... say abstaining from alcohol. You're already drunk. <laughs> oh, I was not even going to say that because I have already imbibed with my red wine this evening. So oh, me too. That's fine. Uh-huh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I can only answer for red wine or champagne, as you know, my two drinks of choice. Uh-huh. Champagne, so long as it's French, won't give you a headache. No, surely not. <laughs> is that and, is that real? It is true. If you have French champagne or actually any French wine, as opposed to drinking Australian, for instance, French wine does not have the additives that Australian does, and you will not get a headache from French wine. Oh, man, I wish I could mm. afford it. <laughs> <laughs> if, if in doubt, if you can't afford French wine, your other alternative is this wonderful little invention comes in a little bottle that you can get in the likes of Litherland, BWS, uh-huh. um, called Wine Drops. Really? Yes. And I think it's actually, um, oh, what do you put in your hair that bleaches it? Yeah, Lloyd. Um, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 it's drops of that. And you, if, you, if you intend to drink the whole bottle, obviously, you put five of these little drops uh-huh. in the bottle and it knocks out all the additives. Really? And you end up with no headache. Have you done a controlled test of this? Show? We have actually, and it works really well. I can oh, I wow. stand by I stand by this one, and it works a treat. Okay, next scientific question: mm-hmm. Have you done a controlled test where you pushed it to the limits, like had ten bottles of wine with these to see what happens? Who are you? Listen to who you're you're asking this question to. Now. <laughs> I'm sure you've. I'm sure you've had plenty of bottles of wine before, Shan. I have, but not since we've discovered this. We, we could knock back a couple with these, and it, it's you probably get dehydrated a bit, but you don't mm. get that terrific hangover that you had. Wow, I am genuinely boggled. It does work. That's amazing. It does work. The other alternative, an antihistamine tablet. Oh, oh. Be- if, before? Before. If you're going out for the night, you have an antihistamine tablet, and that helps. It may not give you no hangover, but it will lessen the severity. Oh, th- so an antihistamine. Wow. I'm genuinely taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to is... go out tomorrow now and try all these out, are you? Uh, tonight, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
That's... Oh, well, look, it's 20 past nine here. It's nearly time for my bed. <laughs> we've, we've only just begun. <laughs> um, okay, that is all excellent. <laughs> if you were a fool and didn't speak to your mother before yes. going out, yes. and now you've woken up with a, a killer hangover, what remedies would you suggest? Minimum two large glasses of water, mm. a Barocca, oh, and then yeah. once you're feeling slightly more human, a fried breakfast. Ah, perfect. Yeah, classic. Yeah. All, full all this works. Greasy, yes, a greasy fried full English breakfast. Mm. Uh, yes. Surely we're eating full Welsh breakfasts in this house. <laughs> well, yes, yes, probably is a Welsh breakfast with your nice Welsh sausages with leeks, yes. <laughs> is that what distinguishes <laughs> sausages from being English? Leeks. Well, yes, well leek are, is a they're... distinctly Welsh food. Yes. Mm. That's excellent. All right, Mum, we have... Surprise question. Yeah, we have a surprise question. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Don't do surprises. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> Go on, then. What in your memory is the worst hangover you've ever had? And we'll also accept stories about Ken. <laughs> yes, if Ken has a bad hangover story, we'll take that. <laughs> oh, probably mine in uni, going out, and in those days, it was Chinzano. Oh. <laughs> and... Chins, drinking Chinzano before going to a party in somebody's house, well and truly, well... Incapacitated. She would say, yes. And um, <laughs> before we even got there, and the, the, they thought it was hilarious as we were walking up to this house because I was your classic drunk weaving up the road, and they thought <laughs> I was putting it on, but I actually wasn't. <laughs> and then uh, moving on to the red wine, and the next day probably wasn't the best day of my life. <laughs> Close, though. <laughs> Yes, then the next day I don't actually remember coming back to my hall of residence. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Did you follow it with a fry-up? No, because we didn't have breakfast like that. So, um, yes. Oh. When I was at uni, I didn't have a mum with all these words of wisdom to tell me what I should do when I had a hangover and what to do before I went out. So, yes, so I just came home and went to bed and lost a day. <laughs> that, that would have been helpful if we were doing this podcast at uni, but we're, I'm 30 now, so... <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's still useful. There are plenty of years of drinking to go. Oh, absolutely. You never get too old to have some uh, good drinking under your belt. Now that sure. is some good advice. Mm. Yeah, that is motherly wisdom if I've ever heard it. <laughs> You're never too old to get sloshed. Perfect. No, absolutely. Life's too short, I'm afraid. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Ah, excellent. Well, yep. thank you so much for your wisdom. Well, thanks, Mum. You, you answered exactly as we had hoped. With some wisdom oh, to share. Good. Well, yeah. I'm I'm glad if I passed on a, a few tried and tried and tested uh, remedies, and uh, yeah, I can speak from experience that they do work. Excellent. Well, we will. Rob and I will do a follow up on a later episode where we've tried these. And yeah, we'll let we'll the listeners know if, if they worked. Great. Oh idea. well, if they don't, you've done something wrong because they certainly worked for your dad and I. If it's on, it's on you. Yes, I like the caveat. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, and, and with that, that's, that's Yarns with Shan. Excellent segment that will certainly be returning later on in season three. So keep your ear holes wide open. Can you do that? <laughs> do you not sometimes sit and enlarge your ear holes? Just by the pure power of Will. <laughs> Who's Will? What's he doing to your ears? <laughs> will, get in there. Get, get your BBC. No. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Rob, what did you learn this week? Oh, lordy. This week, Lloyd, we are back to cool animal facts, and it is one of my favorite places to be. 
I, I, I thought I hoped you'd be a little more excited. Oh, I, yeah. You just it didn't sound like the end of a sentence. I'm super excited. I love animals and facts right. and animal facts. Perfect. Right. That's enough. I just wanted a little chip in. God. Sorry. <laughs> uh, this week I learned that prairie dogs have a real smart language and at the current level of understanding is thought to be more complex than that of even chimps, dolphins and orcas which are the traditional, damn, those are smart animals, animals. Indeed, and I would never have picked a prairie dog to overlap any of them. Yeah, real stupid. Well, apparently not. So what I learned is that they can communicate the difference between predators, such as coyotes, domestic dogs, humans, and hawks, which are their main predators, and even describe them. So the studies that have been done have demonstrated that they construct sentences such as here comes the tall human wearing a green shirt who is also fat. <laughs> Eat shit, tall green shirt wearing human. <laughs> but isn't that hectic that they can distinguish? It's unbelievable. So they have all these descriptive communications so they can say, you know, what the predator looks like and what it's, what, what it's going to do. So if, if you're, well, if you're, some of y'all aren't American and you don't know what a prairie dog is, I had to look it up, it's basically... In the research that I was reading, they're described very matter-of-factly as ground squirrels that weigh one kilo and are about 10 centimeters long. And they are cute as all hell. Oh my God, are they cute. Yeah. And I guess they live on the prairie, which seems to be some like dreamland in America or something. I don't know. Yeah. Where they just like make make burrows and hang out in gangs of like sometimes over a hundred prairie dogs. And they're gen- generally just kind of like American meerkats is how I how I interpret it. Yeah, the way they kind of stand and bark and look around is very meerkatty to me. Yeah, meerk- I, I wrote meerkatty in my notes. K-A-T-T-Y. Oh, nice. Indeed. <laughs> so the basis of this learning is a significant study by a person with a wonderful name at the Animal Language Institute at North Arizona University. His name is Con Slobodchikov. Khan Slobodchikov. Yeah, Slobod Chikov. <laughs> and based on his name, I assume he's been involved in training prairie dogs to work at Vlad's dry cleaning. <laughs> Slobod Chikov. Oh, love it. Throwback. What do the prairie dogs do at Vlad's dry cleaning? Well, it's all very secret, Lloyd. They're lookouts, obviously. Yeah. Ah, here comes that the fat guy with <laughs> his blue the, shirt again. It's the fat guy. <laughs> It turns out they don't have complex language. They just think everyone's really fat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, They're anyway. actually just very judgmental little fucks. <laughs> Wouldn't you be if you were 10 centimeters long? God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Konslobotchikov <laughs> has researched the vocalizations of Gunnison's prairie dog under numerous situations and managed to decode this complex language. And some of the scenarios that him and his team observed were the different ways they reacted to different predators. So, for example, for coyotes, the doggy boys would sound the alarm and immediately run to the entrance to the burrows and then stand on the hind legs and watch. And all the prairie dogs that were currently in the burrow would come to the entrance and also watch because they know that coyotes like to hunt by just like laying in wait near the entrance to burrows. So they all pop out and watch to see where the coyote goes so they can avoid it if he settles near one of their burrows. Pretty cool. Wow, that's really smart. Yeah. Instead of just running underground and then getting eaten as soon as you come back up. (laughs) Oh, damn it. We should have thought of this. Let's invent a complex language. (laughs) 
<laughs> so for genius no- <laughs> for normal dogs they sound the old squeaker alarm and then they just stand and watch only retreating to the burrow if the dog gets close or aggressive and similarly the below ground prairie dogs will pop up and watch as well but usually to no threat for hawks little dogs uh, in the flight path of the hawk so they can tell where the hawk's going dive into the nearest burrow whereas those not in the flight path will do the old stand and watch and then go into the burrow if required wow yeah so smart and then for that the means grade- they, they like following a flight path means they can they look at an animal and can figure out where it's going to be yeah and know that that's the path. like that, that stuff that alone is pretty impressive yeah it's really cool and then for the most hated of all predators the evil humans <laughs> once the alarm those sounded, fat fuckers yeah fat fuckers always in green shirts so camouflaged <laughs> i'm in a green shirt right now <laughs> you're so evil lloyd so when they see a human there is no watching and waiting all prairie dogs will immediately disappear down a burrow and not emerge until the humans disappeared (laughs) (laughs) that makes a lot of sense i do the same thing actually yeah (laughs) people are coming i'm going home uh and born this is born out of a long history of being hunted so uh, Mm -hmm. they're just like oh that thing's gonna try to kill us bye yeah they're learning that's good yeah so after observing all of these different scenarios, Slobodjikov and his team unraveled the language. And here are all of the amazing things that are involved in the prairie dog language. So they have discrete, unique calls for different predators with distinct components of the call relating to the size, color, and shape. And the components of each of the calls for each of those aspects of the predator are the same each time and strung together in a sentence. So there's a particular squeak or whatever. Squeak em squeakers for fat <laughs> and for green shit and for all of this, oh. which is really so cool. So the descriptions, so it is a con- for them a word. It's a consistent word. Yeah. For, for fat. Yeah. Which is cool. So oh. if there was a fat person in a green shirt, it would be a specific squeak for fat and green. And then if there was a fat person in a yellow shirt, there'd be a specific squeak for fat, which is the same as the other one. And then a different squeak to say the color is different. Wow, that's so cool. And then a different squeak to say human versus dog versus yeah, yeah. hawk. Wow. It's hectic. So in their language, they also have, like you said before with the hawks, they have the ability to indicate where the predator is in relation to the prairie dogs. So they have perception of movement. They have the ability to make up words and coin unique phrases for things they haven't seen before, which is unbelievable. So the team <laughs> observed in the group of prairie dogs they were watching, the prairie dogs make up a call for the first time they saw a cell phone and then when the cell phone came out again all the other times they used that same thing that they'd made up that's amazing so it's not just like passed down learned behavior they're actually wow yeah well they do it and that's then kind they, of mind-boggling yeah and they i mean they make it up while they're there with the prairies that are there and then they teach their kids so their generation of kids or little, little dogs i guess would learn the squeak for cell phone wow that's it's truly insane yeah and it shows that they learn as well because when they're young they have just like a generic alarm call for when they're in trouble or whatever the the baby prairie dogs and as they grow and get older they start learning all of the calls that their adults do in relation to you know their specific home and scenarios wow it's unbelievable that's how humans learn we have sounds and then a few words and then you learn complex words yeah it's like sounds mum and dad had asked for food and then swear words yeah fuck yeah give me a burger <laughs> give me mom <laughs> done that's all you need to know <laughs> we 
we just spoke to your mother. You are much more polite <laughs> than that. I know. She's lovely. <laughs> She's lovely. <laughs> oh, man. So that, that, that is what I learned. And it, it, is, it was astounding. I thoroughly enjoyed learning it. Astounding is an excellent word because they are they don't look like what you would think a highly intelligent animal looks like. They're just adorable little squirrel rodents. Yeah, you do not expect them to astound. Uh-huh. Although they are astoundingly cute. The first thing I wrote down was they might be the cutest animal to ever existed. Wow. And they have the chubbiest little tummies. They're so cute. Yeah, put that in your They're pipe, Luna. I'm going to put one on uh, Tevita and you will see how cute they are. A picture of one. I'm not going to give a prairie dog access to my Twitter account. I'll just put a picture of him on there. (laughs) He's probably smart enough to use it. (laughs) He could probably figure out at least a sentence or two. He's tweeting the same. (laughs) Fat green human. (laughs) So what did you do with this, Lloyd? What else did you learn? I, I just got a few prairie dog things. I was fascinated by these little little buggers. <laughs> these little fuckers. Did you know that the mating season is 0.0001% of the year? Like, is that what... That's got to be worse than pandas. Then pandas have like 24 hours in every two years yep. to mate or something? It's one hour. They have one a hour year. a year? And they have around six babies and half of them die. Oh, So gosh. I have no idea how they survive. <laughs> As a species, but... Because you still get three kids each time. Yeah, I know, but one hour... So they have three kids a year, and then they have a year to survive to the next year. They're being yeah. hunted by hawks, humans, and fat green-shirted men. <laughs> humans and fat green-shirted men. <laughs> I, I meant... I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're not human. They're it's subhuman. A whole different class of predator. I meant coyotes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you fat, know Fat what? green-shirted coyotes and humans. <laughs> If a coyote wearing a green shirt came up to me on its hind legs, I would be terrified. <laughs> that would be weird. Do you know what their family groups are called? Uh, no. They're called towns. Ah, uh, really? Like little villages? They live, they live in little towns. Oh, Damn they're it. so cute. I have one last thing. Hit me. When you sent me the initial fact about them having really complex language. Yes. Like everyone, my first thought was like, oh, so do dolphins. Ah. So dolphins know and can learn around like 35 to 40 words which is a lot i think that's like an average two-year-old and that seems like you made that up i have no idea how many words a two-year-old has i googled it oh damn you played it so casually great job you sound smart yeah thank you <laughs> and similar things they can identify a human based on whether it's a human that's given them fish or not in the past so like yeah cool for the same reasons but to a lesser extent Prairie dogs, it took me a while to find a number, but someone says that they can learn up to 500 words. Wow. And dolphins are really smart Yeah. and know 36. So that, that put it in context for me. That's like, wow, they're definitely the best. Yeah, it's crazy. So like yeah. little unassuming, little cute doggy things. Yeah. I just, as I was reading the article, saw Slobodzikov. Slobodzikov. Did you see... The last form of prairie dog communication we haven't talked about yet. The jump yip. The jump yip. It sounds even cuter than everything else. No. It's it's exactly as silly as it sounds. Uh, Can I YouTube it? Yes, please. Jump yip prairie dog. (laughs) (laughs) I heard it. (laughs) 
Oh man, isn't it good? Oh, they've put it to um music as well. Which oh, is of course, I have. I hate that. Oh god, that is amazing. It's so good. So there's super smart animals, and then for those just listening, firstly, you should YouTube Prairie Dog Jump Yip, and then the description is this: Occasionally, one prairie dog will just coil up like their body coils up and then they just emit the most enormous squeak that they can or yip and in the process of doing so pretty much knock themselves over so it's just like this explosive noise and when this happens i read this every prairie dog nearby will also do this kind of like a mexican wave one of them does it so everyone does it which is real silly it's very adorable and very very cute it's really adorable but why would they is it like they're super warning sign if they all do it <laughs> so that's why oh my god super warning it's the fattest green dude i've ever seen <laughs> super why yip. will the fat green shirted man not <laughs> Just stop leave, being funny leave us alone uh i don't know it's funny so uh, that's what was originally thought but the evidence doesn't really line up and someone else did some other further studies on the jump yip the best explanation they have at the moment is that one prairie dog will do this in order to hear a response from all nearby prairie dogs to get a better understanding ah. of who's around and how attentive everyone's being to danger. So their study showed that um, the prairie dog that initiated the, the everyone yelling and falling over process uh, actually, <laughs> after doing it, spent more time foraging than they did looking for danger. Because they know the rest of the pack is yeah. keeping a weather eye. It's kind of, um, so it's kind of like prairie dog sonar? No, I don't know. It's they're, they're like radio contact. <laughs> I mean, it's like being on a ship and sleeping comfortably knowing that someone is on watch and doing a good job. And yeah. You don't have to worry about it. Isn't that incredible? Wow. That's and also really incredible. so funny to watch. <laughs> Adorable. I'm yeah. so glad they do it. Yeah. Y'all go and look at that. So I have a few more animal things to relay. To, to close out episode one, if you're, if you're sitting comfortably. Oh, I'm comfortable and excited. Relay them upon <laughs> comfortable me. Comfortable and excited. Oh, it's getting, getting saucy in here. <laughs> Where's <laughs> Will with that BBC? <laughs> so, <laughs> damn it. All right, I looked up some third Animal facts. Animal communication facts. Oh. So I was like, I wonder if there are any other cool things that other animals do when they communicate. And here are some of them. So rhinos, big... Okay, Pern Happily. <laughs> and here they are. Uh, rhinos, the big horny boys, discuss... Yeah, I know what a rhino is, yeah. A, they discuss what's going on in their community through a shared pile of shit. Like a community <laughs> notice board, they know who's coming and going and who's mating and such. That's a good idea, I guess. <laughs> I guess? Not, well, if that... yeah. Like, dogs can get a lot from poo. Like, who's yeah. in heat, how healthy they are if they're aggressive. So, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Mantis shrimp. Do you remember them? We spoke about them in season one, I think. Oh, the, the, the pistol the sh- shrimp. Yeah, the one that can, like, punch through aquarium glass. Yeah. They, uh, what, they communicate by shouting at <laughs> sonic booms or something? Knocking each other out. <laughs> but I can't remember what you wanted to tell That's me. how they say hello. <laughs> no. <laughs> They have a speedy, powerful punch, but their communication is through colors. They have five times as many color receptors in their bug eyes as we have. And so they oh, communicate. I'd love to know what that looks like. Right? Isn't it like it's just something that we can't comprehend because we don't have it? Yeah. 
so they communicate by lighting their own bodies up in lots of funky ways. Uh, and so then another shrimp with his magical receptors can see what's going on. Wow. Isn't that's that cool? cool? African elephants, one of the most greatest creatures ever. They communicate through such low frequency noises that we can't even hear them. So to us, it kind wow. of it sounds to us, to humans with our range of hearing perception, it sounds like they vibrate to each other. Wow. Which makes me think of some kind of like overgrown cat with enormous ears just like pairing. That's exactly what I was thinking is an elephant pairing. Isn't that cool? Yeah, really cool. And because it's such low frequency, they've been estimated as being able to hear each other over 100 Ks away. That's mind boggling. Through this low frequency noise because it's such low frequency. um, It travels much further. Like high frequency noise is very... uh, directional whereas low frequency noise spreads out more and travels further oh i didn't know that that's really i yeah. mean 100ks is a long fucking you obviously didn't do year 11 physics then did you no i did it i just failed yeah no surprise <laughs> uh, so i thought that one was really cool yeah on the other end of the spectrum there is a an animal called a tarsia which is like a tiny little primate somewhere in africa it, it like kind of looks like that thing that is the assistant to king julian in madagascar Oh, with the big eyes. Yeah, with the big eyes, the buggy eyes, and the pointy little fingers. Um, yeah. They screech at frequencies of 70,000 hertz, which is almost four times the upper limit of human hearing. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So they're like just yelling all over the jungle. Must be really annoying if you can hear that. Yeah, can you imagine? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Egyptian fruit bats also use high-pitched squeals, and researchers at Tel Aviv... Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv University did a similar study that Chubkajopadov did on the prairie dogs, whatever his name is. Slubber, Slubber Jokov. Slubber Jokov. Very silly. They did a study similar to the prairie dog one on comms, but of the Egyptian fruit bats. And it turns out that 60% of all of their communication, 60% is arguments about four things. Wow. Food, sleeping positions, invasion of personal space, or unwanted advances. Seems like we're uh, not so different after all. Yeah, what a relatable animal. (laughs) I'm hungry. Get out of my way. (laughs) (laughs) No means no. We just ended on a real note there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks very much for joining us. And the last one, apparently there's an animal called the African Demon Mole Rat. Oh. Yeah. I have to to Google it. It looks like that. It looks like, ugh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, demon is right. It is quite demonic. So I wrote a description as uh, they basically just look like a weird guinea pig with massive front teeth. Yeah. Someone has also, might be a a similar species. It's on the same thing. It's called the Lesser Bamboo Rat. (laughs) Eat shit. <laughs> I am the greater bamboo rat. <laughs> there's only two of them. <laughs> Not so the, two species, there's only two, two. of them. Two. <laughs> wow. Then it locked in eternal struggle for the greatest bamboo. <laughs> wow, what a movie. Would watch. Uh, oh, 100%. <laughs> so, the African demon mole rat. They mostly live underground because they're ugly as fuck. <laughs> Uh, um, and they communicate by headbanging. So they smash their head against the roof of their tunnels to send vibrations to each other. And I thought that was very metal and a great place to end episode one. Yeah, the demonic mole rat headbangs communication. Yeah. Love that. Love it.
Indeed. We did it. Season three is off to a rickety ruckin' stat. <laughs> rickety ruckin'. Rickety is like, it's rickety. It's not, it's not good. Yeah, but when it's ruckin', damn. Yeah, I, damn. <laughs> when the rickety's ruckin', don't come a knockin'. <laughs> uh, I think this was a thoroughly enjoyable episode. We had a good uh, email. Mum came on. Cute animals. Good start. Good start to season three. Yeah, thanks everyone. You, you've done so well. <laughs> you did nothing. Yeah, it was all us. <laughs> <laughs> We're in charge here, all right? <laughs> yeah, back off. <laughs> please please email us um, complaints. Um, our email is the ucspodcast at gmail.com. Follow mm. us on the socials. Mm-hmm. You'll find us with a we're on we're on a couple of them. Yeah, we're we're all around town. It's been wonderful. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in episode two. Cheerio.